We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for Thursday, July 20th. John McKechnie, Mario Puig hanging out with you. Today we are getting into uh, the latest with the running back market. There's a lot to get into it with that. Obviously, it is front page news as far as the NFL is concerned this week. Uh, so a lot to unpack there. And we're also going to kind of bring in the people that are just starting to, to uh, take a look at best ball kind of give some guardrails, some some general parameters to, to follow uh, when you're making your best ball team. So a lot to get to on this show. Let's fire it up. Welcome on in. This is the Redwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, for Thursday, July 20th, John McKechnie, Mario Puig, hanging out. So, Mario, leading things off here, we're just going to cut right to the chase. So, Monday Monday passes, and Monday was an important day in the NFL calendar because that was the last day to sign a long-term extension. And notably, uh, two players, kind of important for fantasy, Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. Uh, that deadline passed, and there is no long-term agreement on the table for either of them. Two guys that uh, have been putting it on the line for their respective teams for years. And this kind of, to me, Mario, this feels the closest that we've been to a boiling point when it comes to this discourse, because over, over the last few years, you know, there, there's been a, a, a chorus that grows louder uh, within the analytics community that, that, uh, dictates that running backs don't matter. Uh, they are replaceable. Uh, you, 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 like a single use plastic item, you know, you, you go ahead, get what you need out of them. And then when, when it's over, it's done, you kick them to the curb. You don't need to pay for it again. You're just going to get another one, uh, of the, of the same ilk. So, um, that it feels like that has become a, a growing notion. And obviously the league is trending a little bit more, uh, towards, you know, being a, a pass first league, of course, and everything like that. But at the end of the day, we're, we're looking at a situation here where running backs, they're, they, like their career arcs, their career trajectories are so much different than basically any other position. They are literally the best, like in most cases, 
the best that they're ever going to be in the NFL is during their rookie contract. And that's a problem when rookie contracts are locked in. And then it's compounded by the fact that first round running backs are essentially a, a thing of the past. This year, I think, is more of an, an anomaly uh, than what we've seen in recent years and what are going to what we're going to continue to see unless things change. So your thoughts on all of these developments and, and you know, what what possible fixes could there be when it comes to, to running backs? Because it, this has kind of become an officially unsustainable uh, kind of model that, that we've got going on. It's a big, uh, sprawling subject, actually. And um, obviously, I've kind of been screaming about this for years. And like you said, it came to kind of a boiling point Monday to the to the extent that it sort of became part of the mainstream discussion. And it took uh, Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler going on Twitter and basically being like, you guys realize this is just total crap, right? This, we're sick of this. We're, we're, we're really sick of this to the point that like we're, we're actually going to start thinking about what we're going to do about it. And this is a complex issue for a lot of reasons. There's like the intersection of traditional football reporting media with fantasy specific reporting media and uh, the economic interests of both front office officials and especially team owners who have, as always, an interest in driving down labor costs as much as possible, driving down labor compensation as much as possible, with no respect to what those workers contribute output-wise. That's not uh, an actual consideration for the people who hold capital. They don't care. It's in, It's just not something that they care about at all. They, they um, If anything... The more you tell them, like this group contributes this much, and they're giving you this many, this much margin, they're just going to look for a way to make the margin go bigger. Like that's just how they are. That's why they are in the place that they are in the first place. So, the, what I mean by the intersection of those things is traditional football media is is maybe where you're seeing just the kind of um, and I, I shouldn't even say traditional since uh, this is largely spurred by like like you said the the so-called analytics of uh. Ben, so-called Baldwin, uh, Five Thirty Eight Sports, uh, Sumer Sports. Uh, check out who the the primary funder of that was friends with uh, until it was legally not feasible to be so. Anyway, uh, there's a, there's some fun. Ba- also, Ben Baldwin's real name is worth looking up. Fun reason why he's uh, using an alien alias. Uh, these people have a very particular economic interest. Uh, ben Baldwin works at a think tank. And again, that's not his real name. If you want to find his work, you'll have to figure out his real name. But he works at a think tank and his work as a football analyst, just as, uh, you know, Josh Hermsmeyer with 538, 538 itself. Um, they all function like think tanks. Like they, 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 have an, uh, they have an agenda for which they are funded to go into the public and try to drive that agenda so that the people who funded them can get a gain of some sort, be it power or money itself. So those people have been in so-called traditional media, you know, 538 has been picked up by New York times for however long uh, Ben Baldwin was getting on a billion different podcasts, uh, been quoted in a bunch of newspapers for his work. Um, and his work is about driving down the guaranteed money of running backs. And thus uh, he doesn't know this because he's just a pawn in a scheme that he can't understand. But this, the scheme, the way it works is you drive down the running back guaranteed money and eventually you consolidate as much capital, as, as much um, team salary cap expenditures as possible in one controllable position, which is quarterbacks, of course. They're trying to drive as much money to quarterbacks as possible 
to leave as much little uh, market room and therefore market precedent for all other positions, not just running backs, but the running backs are the easy target and the first and foremost target of theirs because running backs are the workers who take on the most physical risk and therefore are the ones who wear out the fastest. So what they do, their nature, when they see something like that is they go, hey, uh, why should we find, why should we spend any money on these people if they're going to expire as an asset faster than these other ones? And then they start cooking up schemes to make a, a CBA where the running backs, because they're still useful, they don't want to get rid of them entirely. They can't get rid of them, but they also don't want to have to pay anybody uh, if they don't have to. So what they did was they came up with a scheme where uh, everybody's using their franchise tags on running backs so that no running backs can get into the open market. Because if Josh, as much as you hear these people say, like, running backs don't matter, look at the contract value going down. The contract value wouldn't go down if Josh Jacobs didn't have the tag on him, if Saquon Barkley didn't have the tag on him, if Le'Veon Bell didn't have the tag on him for two years in a row. If you believe so much, if these owners truly believe that these running backs are not worth anything, let them prove it by let these running backs get to a market in the first place. You can't say, look, no one's willing to pay them. You're not letting anyone pay them. Be serious. This is ridiculous that people fall for these kinds of rhetorical tricks, but they do. And it's people like Ben Baldwin's job to make them fall for it. So that's why he's paid. That's why he's in a position of media that he is, because he's serving this function that team owners, that capitalists at large, have a use for. You're not going to see anybody in the New, York, the New York Times saying, you know, that, oh, you should abolish the draft. You should let all running. You should you should ban the tag. All these things that are the obvious uh, mechanisms to drive down running back salaries. You, you use the draft to bar them from the market for four or five years, depending on whether you take them in the first round or later than that. And then once they're at that point, there's a high probability they've taken on, especially if you've cynically given them as much work as they can physically handle in their, their rookie year. They, at that point, like you said, are physically expiring. And then if they have a little bit left, you just use the tag for one or two years and then they're toast and you never have to be on the hook for a long-term contract. Everybody wins, right? Especially owners and quarterbacks. So we've ended up in this situation where every single defensive coordinator in the league, every single uh, player in the league probably would tell you, yeah, Saquon Barkley is more dangerous to a defense than Daniel Jones. And yet we have this, this inorganic rigged market occur where Daniel Jones is supposed to be worth more than what, four times as much as Barkley. Right. That, that's, that's not a, that's, that's completely illegitimate. And anyone who wants to stand by that, anyone who falls for that, just, just kind of open your eyes, please. I'm begging you think why, why, what sense does it make? By any traditional, even even capitalist marketing logic does not make any sense for Saquon Barkley being paid less than Daniel Jones. That's the opposite of what that theory dictates. So right. it's just criminal. I'm sorry. It's a it's collusion. And it's and it's it's something that if the if the if the NFL were not uh, uh, covered by its CBA and like uh, the, the collusion that it affords the owners to have their their particular the, the, the league being structured the particular way it is. This would not hold up in like various courts if certain other employers tried to pull these sorts of schemes. Um, so it's it's complicated that all of this is going on as like a market event, you know, an economic event. I should say it's not. It's, again, it's the whole point is not letting them on the market in the first place. That's the scheme, and this is coinciding with the rise of PPR scoring, which has led to this sort of susceptibility among fantasy consumers to this kind of line of reasoning. And then yes. there's, the, there's also the cultural uh, war, the culture war angle of like, there's a, there's this certain kind of like neoliberal uh, personality, uh, ideology, consumer who 
looks at running backs and they see Jeff Fisher. Like they, they see like, Oh, if you like running the ball, you're an idiot. You're just like Jeff Fisher. If you run the ball and then they go way too far overboard and conclude like, and that's why I believe Daniel Jones is better than Saquon Barkley. It's like, no, now you're just as bad as Jeff Fisher. And you're probably even dumber than that guy. And he's plenty stupid. So you should feel silly that you've brought yourself to this place by your own volition. It's insane. And this is, this is led to, again, it's like this, it's a propaganda effort in a lot of ways. It's like making, making the, the consumers of the sport susceptible to the suggestion that, this guy who's worth less than this other guy should still be paid four times as much. And you should hate the second guy. He's nasty. He's trying to, he's no good. He's a lowly running back and he's, he's getting uppity and asking for money. You should hate that guy. What is he's a millionaire and you want to, he's asking you to feel sorry for him. This is, this is all working very well. And it's, it's just until those running backs who, who just had enough of it on Monday that there was any acknowledgement of this at all. And now you're seeing that the, the people who were pushing running backs don't matter, uh, running backs shouldn't be paid, running backs shouldn't be fed, all that crap. Those people are all of a sudden changing their stories. They're, they're something right. anyway. Ben Baldwin's a psycho, so he's sticking yeah, to Yeah, he like, said the, the nerds win. He took a took a nice little victory lap actual on Monday. Actual sociopath. And not, yeah, not, a, so not, a, not one of the cool, smart ones. He's a dim sociopath. Uh, just, just sits there in front of a dim bulb waiting for it to tell him he did a good job. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, it's, 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 it's ridiculous how low that man is as a, as a person, but, uh, there are others, the less sociopathic ones are trying to backpedal and go like, Oh, Oh, right. oh, oh, well, well, we didn't want this. Oh, this is, this is, we're not even, we didn't really mean running back. They're putting matter. their hands up. They're, they're like it's recusing big, themselves. A shame. It. It's a shame. We, we admit it's a shame, but Oh, what can we do? Like you built this, you did. So own it. You, you, I can't say what they are, but. Don't be such a scoundrel. Have a spine. Stand up for what you said. Don't e- either retract what you said or stand by it. Don't try to take some halfway escape route, you you worms. Yeah, that's what I'm anyway, saying. Anyway, that's what it, I it, think. That that was that was phenomenal. I I expected nothing less, but uh, and yet you still um over delivered. That that was a, a perfect encapsulation of, of you know, like you said, there there's a lot of things here, a lot of intersections of different uh, elements. And, you know, it's kind of led us here. And, and yeah, I've, I've largely been disappointed by um, what, like, the, the kind of big outlet, um, big, big media personalities have been saying that this week, you know, be, beyond just the, the, the crass, uh, annoying, arrogant, uh, the nerds win type of thing. Uh, that's gross in, in and of itself. But we've been over that. But I, I, I do take exception to, to, the, to these people that have been pumping like the running backs don't matter type of ideology. And when it comes to the human, it, it took these guys taking to Twitter for, for them to even consider that they're actual human beings that, that are, you know, get, getting this ridiculous uh, financial treatment from the NFL and just getting, you know, work to the bone and then just cast aside uh, with, with, you know, not, not enough to, to show for it. They don't have the, the earning potential of all of these other positions, whereas are and and while at the same time they are taking on the the most physical risk, like you've said. So I mean, the, you know, the, there there's a love of you pointing know, John, out the the Zeke contract. That oh, yeah. Todd Gurley, we can't let that happen again. As if there's ever not been a bad contract at another position, like the Daniel yeah. Jones one. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, like Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley are the only running back contract extensions that have happened in NFL history. If you say that Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb had extensions, don't talk about that. Uh, that's not what we're here, here to talk about. We're here no. to talk about Todd Gurley's degenerative knees, which is honestly, that's just on the Rams, who you might have noticed have made a hell of a lot of really bad moves, a lot of bad signings, a lot of bad trades over the years. So, yeah, uh, I'm I think you can you can find a way to straddle the line between you shouldn't maybe give a, a running back with visibly arthritic knees an all time extension versus not giving any running back ever an extension. Another funny one, another one that's that shows just how ideologically uh, cowed uh, the, the, these these people are, how whipped into submission to to uh, the allegiance to to their gods that they are. Like Kevin Cole, who's also one of the worst analysts out there and one of the most vocal dehumanizers of running backs. Uh, initially did this thing a, a year or two ago when the, when uh, around the time of the Chubb extension where he was like, this is clearly not worth it. And then like some people just started yelling at him and he was like, okay, I admit Derek Henry and Nick Chubb are worth it. However, you should still never take a running back in the second round because then you might have to give them an extension if they're good. This is like, this is absurd. You, you just backed off your point. Now shut up. You, 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 why were you standing here telling us to listen to you it, only to watch you back off immediately, and now we're supposed to take you seriously because you're, you've now you're serious. Now you're sure you thought about it before you talked. I highly doubt it. And I I think you know it's 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 uh you can even see a little bit of this kind of like player hostility, player compensation hostility in the Christian Kirk reception last year. Like Christian Kirk uh, got this contract that was totally fine, but a lot of teams were like, hey, what, there's all this complaining about in media about like. Why are you raising the salary of receivers? We had a good thing going. And Balky sucks, but don't get me wrong. It's hilarious that he uh, raised the wide receiver market on everybody and they got pissed off about it. Like, this is – you said I can't pay the running backs. What do you want me to do? Like, yeah, mm -hmm. but you got to keep it all in the quarterbacks. That's, what we're, that's the deal. You keep it in the quarterbacks so that we can hold over the head of every other free agent at any other position – uh, the threat of like, well, look at how this didn't work out. Look at how this contract didn't work out. Why doesn't, you know, Daniel Jones gets a, it's not, a, you know, an actual 40 million a year contract, but he gets a 40 million a year in the, in the papers contract. And not anyone is talking about Brock Osweiler, uh, Matt Castle, Kevin Cobb. I don't know. Wait, wait, how many quarterbacks have we forgotten about who suck, who got huge extensions that no one ever raises again, no matter how bad the free agent quarterback is like Daniel Jones. 15 passing touchdowns last year. 15, John. Re really 15. good. Um, yeah. So, wait, how – if – all right, riddle me this. If if the Giants made it to the postseason, made it to the second uh, round of the postseason, actually, and their quarterback only throws 15 touchdowns, uh, was there some other, like, source of value coming from, from that offense? Uh, yeah, it's because Daniel Jones is the best running quarterback now. Ah, uh, mm, we had to mm. we had to polish that turf. But running, somehow, but, but we're good but at that. Running's, but running's bad. bad. Running's minus EPA. It's uh, it's good when um Daniel Jones does it. Ah, uh, is, mm. is that a good? Does that work for you? Okay, it's, it's starting to click now. Okay, yeah, thank you. Okay, it, uh, it is, I'm glad we I've, could. Uh, I got, I'm glad we could we could clarify for everyone that the people in charge know what they're doing. Yep, I think if nothing else, that that is um, the the big takeaway for, from this discussion. But I, I think we we've covered it and we've covered it well. Uh, and you know, we had to we had to say we had to get it out there because running backs, you know, folks, they do matter. I, I don't care. They, Try they to do. play the game without them. See what happens. 
See how much you like watching that crap. It, and the and the the fullback parallel is is completely uh, ridiculous as well. They are yeah. not going it's, by the wayside. People who like say fullbacks. that are just illiterate on football They're, and probably yeah. other things too. Exactly. Um, so now we're going to transition over to to uh, talk about some best ball strategy. Uh, but before then, got a message from our friends over at Circa. Get ready for more millions guaranteed. The biggest pro football contests in Vegas are back and bigger than ever with 14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. Enter in Nevada, play from anywhere. Two ways to win and no rake. Play Circa Million, make five picks against the spread each week with 100% payback to the players. Grand finale winner takes home $1 million. Last place takes home... uh, Let's see, $100,000 booby prize with quarterly and full season payouts. $6 million is guaranteed. Join Circa Survivor to select one team each week straight up with no repeat selections. If the team loses or ties, the entry is eliminated. Each team can only be picked once in a season. Go 20-0 or be the last person or 20-0 or be the last person standing to win it all. $8 $8 million guaranteed, $14 million in guaranteed prizes over there at Circa. Visit CircaSports.com for more details. All right, Mario, let's uh, let's flip things over. Uh, and we'll, you know, just for everyone's edification, all, all, so we're all on the same page. We've mostly been doing underdogs, so that, that's going to be kind of like the, the, the central platform that, that we're working with in terms of our uh, strategy and everything. But let's go over... For the for the folks out there that are just get, now getting into best ball, you know we are into the later parts of July. Teams, are, you know, players are starting to report for training camp. The rookies are there. Um, we've got some vets checking in uh, here over these next few days. So I, I think that now we've reached that that line of demarcation where it's no longer too early to draft. If even if you're just like not a complete fantasy nut, uh, obviously we've been drafting since March, but uh, we're. We, we're not everyone. We acknowledge that we're we're um, we're you know a certain ring of the of the sicko market. But uh, let let's start things out here with um, with best ball strategy when it comes to uh, making your plans based on your draft spot. So in in underdog best ball, if you're doing a fast draft, you don't have a whole lot of time to to react because over there you get thirty seconds of pick. Once the draft is full, you get a like a minute to take a look, see at where you're picking and you, and you go from there. So what, what do you do Mario when, uh, when your draft slot is officially kind of, kind of locked in? Um, do you, do you just focus on what you're doing in the first round or what the iterations of your lineup could, could look like, you know, depending on uh, what you do in that first leading into the second round? If you're doing more drafts than just like a handful, you might want to, keep track of your share percentages, like your exposure rates to certain players. And that can factor in uh, where you go in the first round. But for the most part, my first round strategy comes down to where I'm picking from, because I think there's a lot of possible ways to win or lose. And basically a, a lot or pretty much any strategy is permitted, especially in these big field tournaments. And that's another thing to keep in mind. Are you playing in a big field tournament are you playing in more of a cash game analogous kind of thing where it's like the top, whatever, five out of 12 teams or four or three or something uh, cash some some more modest amount for, for a higher, uh, 
you know, uh, lower risk rate. So if, if you're, if you're in a draft where it's like, you're trying to place first out of 225,000 or whatever, you might chase upside a little more. And, uh, that, 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 uh, should mostly, you know, show up in the mid rounds. I don't think you want to get too crazy experimental with your first, second, third round picks, but to hit some weird, uh, player combos, you sometimes need to make picks that are out of whack from the ADP. So people drafting, you know, a hundred teams will make some truly odd looking picks in the first round. But if you, as a more casual gamer have just like one, two, three, four, five teams or something that you're doing, I think you should mostly just kind of, uh, try to find the most solid value for the pick in, at the spot and, and also kind of consider what sort of team building strategy that first selections you know, what trajectory that sets you on. And then obviously I mean by, or uh, what I mean by that is if you're taking a receiver in the first round, you don't have as much pressure to load up on receiver in rounds three through six or whatever. If you're taking a running back in the first, or if you're taking Travis Kelsey in the first, that, that sets up uh, different paths that are viable for you and, and cuts off some others. So uh, for me, I tend to just target players based on whether I'm comfortable at them, uh, comfortable with them at this, they're given ADP. So if I have the first pick, I take Justin Jefferson. If I, t- if I have the second pick, I take Jamar Chase. If those two are off the board, if I'm somewhere between three and like six, that's where I get a little more, um, I guess it's, it's a little bit, bit more open to me. Like I would probably take Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup, somebody like that. Uh, but I feel like the the wide receiver position thins out after Stephon Diggs. So for me, that's where the line is at receiver. If if, if Stephon Diggs is on the board at like six, seven, eight, I'm taking him. If he's not, I'm seriously considering uh, a running back. I guess is is where like that that what maybe it's like eight to Eckler. eight to ten kind of range is maybe where I start to think about that. Uh, the receivers in that range I'm mostly interested in are like Garrett Wilson. But uh, I feel like after Diggs that there's a drop off from that super high volume, super high efficiency kind of receiver. And it's, it's totally reasonable to go receiver anyway, but it's, it's for me in that range is, is where running back becomes an option. Uh, even McCaffrey is not a serious option for me before like the sixth or seventh pick where he, he obviously doesn't get there. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, once you, once you go down a certain course, you have to just kind of keep in mind and, and try to keep track of the other teams too. It's like, if you see, if you see like four teams going, wide receiver with all of their first three picks it's like you know got, got to imagine those guys are going to start picking all the same way i.e running back whatever at, at some point at the same time so you want to you want to keep uh, keep some sense of where the market in the whole draft is headed and that can be easier said than done when you're doing a fast draft but uh it's a good thing to do and yeah i, I think you um this year probably want an underdog anyway to have I would say at least two, you know, uh, either like 100 catch or 10 plus touchdown kind of receivers. It thins out really fast. There's a lot of people who draft receivers very early. So it's easy to get up to your third pick having taken, let's say, uh, as I have, uh, you know, many times, Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb with your first two. It's easy to get to that third pick and all of a sudden the best receiver left is like Jerry Judy which could work, but it's, it's a, you know, it's riskier than if your wide receiver one were whatever CD lamb, uh, ideally even more like the, the digs, Tyree Cooper cup, Jefferson chase kind of, uh, category. Yeah. And, and, uh, to your point about like this, keep keeping your head on a swivel and, and seeing how the draft is developing. Um, I highly recommend, uh, between your picks, just, uh, go to the board tab 
that that gives you like a really good visual of of you know uh, team loadouts, bye week problems, things of that nature that that can kind of help inform your next pick. Um, I've I've kind of found and I haven't gotten this draft slot very much this uh, this cycle, but I picked eleventh the other day in in a twelve teamer. I really like that because you're you're not only getting uh, in you know I'm obviously in this sense like I'm I'm very attuned to the players that that are available at at eleven and I like I know the options that I like you know Garrett Wilson I think is generally my my top one if Austin Eckler is there um certainly considering him and, and Bijan and then you get an early second round pick and that's where you can go ahead and grab someone like a Nick Chubb and then you're you're also able to kind of keep tabs on your direct next guy and you're able to or uh, next drafter and you're able to to you, know, you can't get completely inside their mind but if you see how their team is building you're able to kind of predict what that what that turn is going to look like and it's like well he's definitely going to take this guy if i don't but i'm pretty sure that this guy will still be available on, or the other player that i'm considering here will be available on the other side because you know, say he already has Joe Burrow, he's probably not going to take Justin Herbert, which is great for me because I already have Mike Williams, you know, that that type of thing. So um, that's one observation I've, I've had from a particular draft slot. And and also, I guess the the player that changes the course of your draft the most with, with your first pick, like it, most of them, you know, almost all of them, you can go in any direction from there. But Travis Kelsey, I think there there does seem to be like an inherent pressure where if you take Kelsey in the first round, you know, say pick seven, pick eight, you're more so incentivized or inclined to make sure that you get Patrick Mahomes with the second pick. And all of a sudden you are kind of putting yourself in in a tricky position where you have an elite stack, probably the most elite stack. And and you get the, the positional scarcity at tight end that, that is going to put you over the, over the hump in a lot of senses. But all of a sudden, like you said, Mario, you're into the third round and your, your best receiver options are, you know, your Jerry Judy's, your, your Amari Cooper's, those types. Yeah. And uh, I think there's also something to be said again about the format that you're playing in, because something like stacks in general, I think are more worth pursuing in tournaments because it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like a, a risk reward kind of thing. You're going all in, you know, on an offense and, uh, if that offense is the highest scoring one in week 17 and there's, you know, the, 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 whatever playoff round that is, is determined by that game, having all the players you can in that game is the ticket out of that particular point in the schedule and getting there is easier said than done. But if you're taking a risky tournament approach, that's not really enough to dissuade you. It's like easier said than done is the whole kind of nature of tournaments, you know? So if you're going in a more cash game kind of, uh, game, uh, draft, I would say I, I personally would, would pretty much cross off those second round quarterbacks. Like, I don't think it's worth taking the risk that you do, especially having taken Kelsey as a tight end. It's like, if you go Kelsey Mahomes, you're really behind the pack at running back and receiver both. And you, you have to just totally nail those picks just, just to get a, a, a respectable group of running backs and receivers. And so again, in a tournament, that's not enough to dissuade you. But in cash game, it's like, why am I taking all this risk just so like, what's the difference between fourth and first place? Nothing. So right. 
uh, or maybe not that much anyway. So I would, yeah, in cash game type things, I would cross out those second round quarterbacks and seek more security, less risk, more security, raise the floor since the ceiling uh, doesn't pay off as much. And the floor is, is what gets you to cash line anyway. Uh, in tournaments, though, yeah, those sacks are where you see that a lot in those uh, the weekly high score or whatever format that Underdog has recently unveiled. That's another time to go heavy at stacking. So, yeah, I would say it, pursuing like a Mahomes-Kelsey kind of thing is a more aggressive sort of measure. And you should kind of uh, dial up or down the aggression depending on the format that you're in. Yeah, I think I think that's that's really well said be, because I, I think that a lot of the times I I kind of have tournament brain no matter yeah, what, what I'm drafting in. Um, so I I just I love upside. I, I just can't get enough of it. But but um, you know at the same time it's it's good to to kind of check yourself and, and remember like okay this is just a, a three dollar you know sit and go one off league. At a, you know what and there's what a am i really way, doing other than workshopping st- some stuff for, for tournaments just as dfs players will you know chase tournament prizes and try to sort of subsidize their losses with cash game wins uh you can do a similar thing with best ball i mean there's you know an underdog they got the best ball manias of various other sorts of tournaments too including that weekly winners thing but you can also run you know you could let's say you do like whatever 10 uh, best ball manias or something you could try to sort of give yourself a cushion by doing a whole bunch of those lower dollar uh cash game kind of things and uh sort of give your, give yourself a bit of a hedge you know Ho- hopefully if, if something goes wrong you can kind of soften your land in that way or if you if you kill everything you, you know it's just another uh bit of a bonus to what to what you're pulling in so the, the both both formats serve different purposes depending on you know what your goals are and what kind of bankroll you're working with. And uh, you got to keep all of that in mind, especially the, the more you get into it, the more, the more you, money you put on this, the more you want to think about this stuff, obviously. No, exactly. Re- reps are, are great. Uh, I try, try to do at least a few a week to, to stay up with things. And, and especially now where, where uh, we're starting to see market shifts, um, we're, we're starting to see, Joe Mixon go right around where Travis Etienne goes, as opposed to where Alexander Madison goes, and and things like that. So, uh, there there the the kind of doldrums where ADP was kind of just frozen from from June to this point, that's about to change. Um, so the 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 sort of early draft window is is kind of closed now. The training camps are here, and things are about to get uh, pretty wild. Um, so just bear all of that in mind uh before we get on to our next uh best ball subject got a message from our friends over at reality sports online by now most of you have probably heard of reality sports online the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an nfl general manager although preferred if you if you respect the rbs there um but the question is have you tried it it's time to see what all the buzz in the dynasty community is about free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated. It's not the best thing about rowdy sports online fantasy front office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite. Well, this is a platform to test your metal. Still not sure? You can go test out your general manager skills for free 
in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code ROTOWIRE to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Also got a message from our friends over at Fantrax. For you fantasy football players out there, is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing from your current leagues? Bonus scoring, custom schedules or playoffs, deep team settings? Well, look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Do love Fantrax. I've, I've been using Fantrax since... 2014, uh, when when I did uh, the first uh, Rotowire staff college fantasy football league, I, I took Donnell Pumphrey. I didn't think I even knew who he was. I just saw that he was ranked really high and just kind of went with it. I think that worked out, but um, yeah, T- TBD. Who who can remember? Although I think you can look at your performance history over on Fantrax. Create or join a fantasy football commissioner league, invite your friends and dominate your draft this season. Fantrax is the top dynasty fantasy football platform in the industry. Coming from another service, not a problem. Fantrax can easily import your current leagues and rosters and customize if needed. Ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake in dropping a player? Fantrax commissioner tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. If there's anything lacking in your current fantasy league manager, Fantrax likely has it. Fantrax is running a special promotion you don't want to miss. Sign up for free at Fantrax.com slash Rotowire today to enter for your chance to win tickets to any regular season NFL game for you and your entire league, plus $6,000 in spending cash. That's right. Tickets for your entire league. Simply create a new league or bring over your existing leagues for more chances to win. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. All right. Thank you to our advertisers there at, at Reality uh, Sports Online and at Fantrax. All right. Moving on. Next item for, for best ball, roster construction. So so I think we we touched on this a, a bit when it when it came to the draft spot draft spot and what you know wh- where you go uh, or how you kind of format your draft uh, after your your first pick, but in terms of just general ro- roster construction, um, I, I think you know the, your draft position obviously means a lot to it. But at the same time, I think the players that, that you start to accrue through the first three, four rounds can really kind of dictate how you're going to la- land the plane. Essentially, you know, you, you start to set up some some correlation options. You start to set up potentially um, some some issues or non-issues when it comes to to bye weeks. Um, I've found that that I tend to fall into the week nine and week 11 pit, pitfalls and a little bit week 13 a, yeah. as well. Um, so I, I, I try to like not freak myself out too much about that, but it, it's an important thing to keep in mind if if you're gonna if you're looking at your final bottom line and, and you're looking at your team and it's like, well, week nine, I am gonna have an uncompetitive team that that can hurt you it, especially if you're playing in overalls. but um, when it comes to, uh, constructing your roster, regardless of, of you know early or late when it comes to running backs, receivers, and, and so on, what what do you find to be the the sort of ideal numbers thresholds that that you want to hit um, either through the first ten rounds and, and then uh, at the end of the draft when, when you're finished with round eighteen? Like how how many quarterbacks do you want? How much weight are you, are we putting in there? Running backs, 
and so on. So your, your thoughts there. Well, I think you, whatever way you go, it's like you have to try to cook up something that gets you over the line at every position. You know, it's like if you're going deliberately cheap at one, you either need to theoretically, you know, bridge that gap by uh, just being way more right than everybody else with your cheap picks or which is, you know, it, it happens. You know, it's like Pat Mahomes was really cheap his rookie year or you know second year. Uh, Geno Smith was dirt cheap last year. If people went cheap at quarterback with guys like that, they, they killed it. Uh, but if you don't have that kind of, um, you know, unlikely payoff, but you still go cheap at quarterback in that situation, maybe you would be a little bit more, uh, well-reasoned to consider three quarterbacks just because if, you know, another guy, uh, especially if you're going cheap, it's like those, those quarterbacks, they're, they're back there that late for a reason. You know, there's not much assured. What is assured is not necessarily high upside stuff that that'll get you over that line that we need to get over. So having a third guy on that sort of construction might be a way to bridge that gap, but there's also a, a you have to really consider the, the actual format that you're in, because if you're in uh, like a big tournament like that, that's where it's less likely to work, I think, for, for three quarterbacks and where you, again, it's just going back to the risk, the higher risk, higher reward kind of thing. It's like, there's more risk in two quarterbacks versus three, but even if your three quarterbacks gets you to uh, whatever the cashing playoff round, you'll be hard pressed to keep up with the teams that made it that far with only two quarterbacks because they've got, uh, you know, another bullet at some other position and, it's it's just it's easy to go it's easy to like make the wild card round of a best ball tournament and then get knocked out in the wild card round going three quarterbacks. However, if you're in more of a cash game sort of thing, three quarterbacks makes a little more sense to me again because it's like the the reward doesn't pay the uh, the risk doesn't pay off as much. So why take more risk? And if if reaching a high floor is how you cash, then you know there's there's something to be said for a three quarterback uh, approach. I think particularly in that kind of game, but. Uh, the other thing, not that there's many games like this, but the weekly winner thing on underdog, pretty much everything, you know, is off. The, all assumptions are off the table pretty much with that one. It's like that one, it actually might make sense to specifically target the same bye weeks as much as possible. Because if, it, you know, the theory being I surrender week 13, but I juice my odds on all the other ones X amount, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't want to claim to have any idea whether any of this stuff is going to work. I, I view this as kind of like a, you know, pretty much everything is permitted kind of thing, but that makes sense to me. I mean, if, you, if you're taking on lots of bye weeks in the same area, you're going to have more bullets in all those other weeks or, or hopefully, you know, a competitive amount of bullets in those other weeks. So uh, you don't want to stack bye weeks in the, the, any other format, but in, in that weekly winner thing, it's, it's on the table. And um, I think also in weekly winners, I don't even know. I should stop talking about that. It's just like pondering things. I, I, I still, I've still yet to, to, uh, to go into those waters, but, um, I'm, I'm intrigued to try it. I just got to get my head around it. It's a very like no rules as far as I can tell kind of thing compared to the other ones where it's like, we can, we have certain things that we are, we are pretty sure are true and can be said safely, but it, this is such an experimental format. Uh, the, the weekly winners, I don't want to say too much, but, uh, yeah. And so, so in a tournament, in any case, if you're going more risk, uh, chasing more reward, 
I actually think two quarterbacks, assuming it's not super flex. If it's a super flex, then three quarterbacks. You got to have at least three. Yeah, I think there's in a tournament super flex, there's still a good case for only three, but I, I think it's like you you need three specifically. Uh, that also, I mean, I don't know what I, I shouldn't say definitely, but I, I it, it makes sense to me that you would need three specifically and ideally not four if you can get, you know, over the line. Just make sure that the, the bye weeks are, are correlated there, um, you know, because you, you don't want to like have a, a three QB loadout where you have both um, Trevor Lawrence and, and whichever week. 10 quarterback is also out because that then you're then you're you know punting your super flex spot and that that can really put you behind the eight ball in that type of format yeah so uh aside from that one in in most tournaments i think you want to aim for two quarterbacks and after that i'm i'm back to being kind of uh uncertain about pretty much everything like to me it makes sense that it would also be two tight ends that you'd want to go for rather than three. Uh, but I just, I don't really have anything to substantiate that. It just, it feels right in my head. Um, so with that said though, if, if you've got like total turds at tight end, you, you don't want to just take an average of six points per week there. It's like, if you can get, if you have to, if something better than that can be had by getting a third one, I don't want to rule that out. But in tournaments, I'm leaning two quarterbacks two tight ends and then the running backs receiver split is a little bit more negotiable than the quarterbacks or tight ends i have been going in 18 round underdog drafts they, they used to have some 20 round ones which i wish they would bring back i i, yeah, I would like like a 50 round best ball i'm such a sicko it's just get like, weird me, with it yeah i, I want to get i want to get you know two hundred dollars wagered specifically on raheem blackshear or else I'm yes just gonna i'm gonna be ill um so i i in the 18 rounds anyway, I've been going in tournaments specifically two quarterbacks, two receivers, five running backs, nine receivers. But I've also taken some six running back, eight receivers. And that's that seems about the same to me, or at least like I can't I can't think of a reason why one would be so much better than the other. And so uh, I'm kind of trying to stay within those those uh, parameters, though, like two quarterbacks, two tight ends. In either six or five running backs, and then either eight or nine receivers. But in cash games, again, it's not you don't need to be that aggressive. You can be like three quarterbacks, three tight ends, seven running backs. I don't know, seven receivers, something like that. So, by by which point in the draft do you kind of have your running backs set? Like in a in a five or six running back build, say the first twelve rounds, are are you exiting the the twelfth with at least three, four? Is that the right number? Uh, I don't actually know. I, I think I can safely say that when I don't go Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor in the first two, and I don't do it that much. I do that when I can't get a digs or better receiver or Kelsey uh, or, or Garrett Wilson. So I've, I've done that sometimes. And then when, when I spend that much, like first two picks on, on two killers like that, there's a slight chance I'll consider a running back in the third if it's Derrick Henry. Or if it's if I get to like the late fourth or something and Travis Etienne is still on the board, it would take something like that, a guy that I really like falling well past ADP for me to not take receiver for the next three picks, yeah. and, or at least receiver for the next two, maybe quarterback, uh, being you know Herbert or or Lawrence realistically, and the more realistically or, or more commonly yet for me, I've gone uh, probably like. And that's in that particular running back, running back start scenario. I've gone running back, running back, receiver, 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 Kyle Pitts, Deshaun Watson, something like that. So 
that's that's how I uh, handle it from from like that spot. But there are some drafts where I'll go more zero running back if it's if the board just isn't lining up the way I need to take my guys. And by the way, things are going to get weird at running back with with Jacobs and Barkley being in the situations that they're in. It's it's there's going to be a new wrinkle, a new uh, potential vulnerability to the people who go zero running back all the time. And there are a bunch of people who do this. If you want to go zero running back when there's Josh Jacobs in the third round and Ramondre Stevenson in the third round and you know Tony Pollard at the third round turn, that's one environment to be trying the zero running back thing. But if your third round pick now, if your fourth round pick now is instead of Pollard or Stevenson, it's uh, what, like Kenneth Walker or something like those mm-hmm. Barkley and Jacobs slipping from Barkley from the, the, the second round Jacobs from the third, those two slipping is going to increase the demand on those other running backs and all running backs aside from those two guys, truly. So uh, a lot of things that we've banked on being uh, plausible, you know, budgets at running back to this point are kind of getting renegotiated right now. So I'm putting a, an ex, you know, a big asterisk on this description of, of, you know, my, my plan. Cause it's more describing my previous plan. Even I don't really know what to do. Uh, I, I only did one draft since this news broke. And uh, I, I think things are going to be unsettled for quite a while. I, I do too. I mean, having chips that big, like, like Jacobs and, and Saquon uh, kind of in limbo the way that they are, it, it makes things uh, very, very tricky to, to kind of nail uh, the, the right price. Um, so, so that ends up being tricky. Um, before we get on to our next topic, which is, uh, I think one of the more, when, when you hear best ball draft strategy, you hear the zero RB and uh, you, you, you touched on it there for a second. We'll, we'll get right there. But first, a message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Look at that. Um, so when, when we're talking about zero RB, what does that mean and what 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 threshold do you have to get to to, to like qualify for like a, a zero RB team? Are you waiting until the fifth round to get your first running back? Is it the sixth? Do you even are, are you even more diamonds diamond hands as they say and like wait until the ninth or tenth round? I mean, what what um what exactly is zero RB for for those who are somewhat unfamiliar? Well, the whole thing I would say has gotten a little bit bastardized and out of hand in recent years. It was something. I would I would maybe go so far as to say like the best fantasy football analysts uh, player out there, Sean and I don't even know how to pronounce his name correctly. Sean Siegel, Sean Segel, something like that. Uh, he is a a very like pragmatic and uh, I would say overall very reasonable kind of um, uh, analyst and and player, and he doesn't have like a pre-baked ideology going into it like he just came up way back like this has probably already been like eight years or something already um a long time ago anyway he observed in a very different market a very different running back receiver market very different uh even like ppr wasn't the standard back when this all started uh it, it was is it, it was a earlier point in the development of the fantasy football scene and at the time running backs were going higher than they are now by a lot and receivers were going later than they are now by a lot. And, uh, I believe I'm, I, th- I think I'm characterizing it fairly, hopefully correctly. When I say in that particular environment, Sean looked at the prices of these two positions and said, well, you know, especially if you're a volume player going over the injury rates at running backs rate relative to receiver, there's, value to be had in targeting receivers early instead of these top dollar running backs and then speculating on the backups because these running backs tend to get hurt more than receivers. And I I think he uh, was like the main um, like intellectual influence in making that realization kind of take hold. And then the bastardized version of it. And I was going even back to the, when we opened up John talking about the, the whole running back situation in general, it's like, I think zero running back got misinterpreted and co-opted and appropriated by uh, the people who just hate workers who are Ben Baldwin and Kevin Cole. And like, they, they saw like this environment where, you know, there's zero, you win in fantasy because the stupid running backs aren't worth picking. That wasn't Sean's argument. Sean's argument was like, given the market as it is, there is the, the upside for the running backs early on is overstated and the risk understated and the opposite true for the receivers later. And now we find ourselves in this position where not only is PPR the full norm, uh, three receivers versus two receivers is the full norm, which wasn't necessarily the case as much in the past. 
And we've got all these people in media like Ben Baldwin going around saying like running backs suck, running backs are no good. And those things kind of like made a confluence of like a hostile tone toward running backs that zero running back as, as the initially stated theory never meant to endorse or co-sign. And moreover, the initial theory of zero running back was only on the condition of those particular prices, that particular market. So it's not saying running backs are never worth taking, which is what the people who today, you know, hoist that uh, banner and stomp around and make all the noise that they do. That's not even the position of the initial theory. They're, they're just writing like their own fan fiction onto the end of it. And that's why they shouldn't be taken seriously. But the initial running back, the zero running back as, as a market practicality makes all the sense in the world. And there's no, preloaded hostility toward the workers like there is with all those other idiots so yeah if, look up look up sean seal and and you know maybe just don't listen to those other idiots i uh so i tried on a zero rb for, for size uh the other day um i'm sure some people will will scoff that that i only made it to the fifth round before i caved and took a running back um but i started from the aforementioned draft at, at the 11 spot Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Debo, and Scary Terry. Uh, before I before I went ahead and, and uh, uh, I got I, so then I started my running back. Oh, you got Terry with, in the fifth. Okay, sorry. Yes, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Terry in the fourth at, at pick oh. 38, and then uh, Cam Akers at the end of the fifth, and Miles Sanders at the start of the sixth, and then I followed up with, with Zach Charbonnet in the eighth. I've been getting a lot more Zach Charbonnet lately. I've noticed. Yeah, if you want to execute the zero running back strategy, it's not done correctly by just not picking running backs until you absolutely have to, which is the way some people do it. You also have to consider who actually stands to benefit if any of these high-priced early running backs were to miss time. And so that's where the so-called like handcuff comes into consideration because it's not enough to just take you know, you'd see people trying to do zero running back. And I would say the very wrong way in recent years, picking players like Gio Bernard, Dari, Dari Wale, you know, stuff like that. And you know, Chris Evans, even, you know, oh, like things man. like that. They're just like, all you got to do is take backup pass catching to the extent that running backs are human. These people say like they become more human. The more passes they catch, they become more worth uh, being housed and fed. The more they catch passes and less, the more they uh, take carries. So right. they also are inclined to go after these just target per snap running backs. And uh, that's not how you do it right. The way you do it right is finding the person who actually finding the player who actually takes up a Christian McCaffrey workload or actually takes up uh, whatever Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, any of those people. So the problem is the, the difficulty, I should say that the challenge of executing running back zero running back uh, correctly is you have to invest in these players who would stand to benefit from injuries without knowing that the injuries where they're going to be. And that's why it's, I think, particularly viable for high volume players, because it's like, if you're doing a hundred drafts and you're, you're sticking to kind of like disciplined exposure rates, you, you, you even, you flatten that out over the, the, the length of the sample. You know, it's like, I, I don't know which running backs are going to get hurt, but if I draft all the backups a hundred times, it's like, I'm going to get some hits. And right. if it's ideally in a tournament, I'll get a big payout for it and it'll make up for all the times that I missed that I couldn't have known where the right answers were. So uh, I, with that said, it's not a random process. You have to do a little bit of figuring out who the, the other running backs on these teams are. And so uh, I, I think if you're going zero running back, 
I've written I've written actually three articles about underdogs markets specifically in best ball about running backs who would stand to benefit if uh, the the starters were to miss time. And I I think I think I did the top thirteen running backs in the ADP. I think it's four, four, and five that I did over the three articles. So the top thirteen running backs in the ADP of like I've written about the guys on the depth chart behind them. And so uh, those are the depth charts that they stand now. We've yet to see where Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott are all going. They could well end up on any number of those teams. Uh, but you could you got to look through and and find out who's up next, basically. And ideally, that player who's up next is somewhat able to imitate the starter, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so, like, one one case of, like, a false handcuff, a false beneficiary, to, a, a, a false zero running back target, in my opinion, would be someone like Malik Davis. Because if Tony Pollard misses time, Malik Davis is not becoming Tony Pollard. He's still going to play, like, 20 snaps. It's just that if Tony Pollard's healthy, Malik Davis could play zero. So I, I think you got to find a guy who can actually play – both volume and ideally both skill set running, catching the ball. So less uh, guys like him and more, in my opinion, guys like Elijah Mitchell, uh, Tyler Algier, you know, these guys who have already shown that they can start and produce well, because if they get the chance again, you got that, you know, second, third, fourth round pick in effect, just for the price of like a 12th rounder. No, exactly. So um, yeah, it's important. Like the idea of of getting that that handcuff or that that number two running back on the depth chart is all well and good, but it, it's important to have that level of like player insight where where it's like, can he actually do eighty uh, percent or seventy five percent? Obviously, it's not. If you're doing zero running back, you don't you're you're kind of like categorically not doing this. But one thing I see a lot in or, you know I see sometimes in best ball drafts, and I'm not sure it makes that much sense in tournaments, especially. I don't know if it makes much sense you see people trying to get the handcuff for the starter. The way you do zero running back is more so you, you fade the starter and you only take the handcuff. Like you don't, you don't, you don't try to take that player as a, as a handcuff as you would in season long, which is a little different. Like you can still do zero running back in season long, but in season long, I think it would make sense to, to take a handcuff player at running back because it's a bench spot, you know? Yeah. You don't have and, to fight people on the waiver wire for him. Right. Whereas in best ball and especially best ball tournaments, I, it would have to be the 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 handcuff the backup is more like a 1b to the 1a or uh so far past adp that it's just like you you're not actually limiting your upside by taking the running back who who's in a zero sum with one that you already took earlier cuz it's like if you're taking a, a zero sum backup whatever like like 20, two rounds past adp who are you? Who at that point would you actually be able to take that would be better than that guy? It's like it's a it's a different question right at ADP. No, it, it, yeah, it absolutely is. So so keep an eye on the ADP and and you know you, you'll be able to kind of see those softer spots or, or the, those values um, a little bit easier. But I, I think we've given the people a, a good little primer uh, on how to approach best ball, both for. Uh, the sit and goes, as they're called, the the mono leagues, and then of course the the bigger overall tournaments, and how to construct your rosters, how to how to approach the draft, uh, understanding uh, you know the the concessions that you're making by going certain positions early versus later, and things like that. So that that was a good summation, I think that that we put forth there, and of course uh, thoroughly enjoyed the the running back discourse off the off the jump as well but that's going to do it for us 
here on the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, big thanks to all of our sponsors. That That's, of course, Circa, Fantrax, and Reality Sports Online. And, of course, a, a big thanks uh, to our friends at Blue Wire, our podcast uh, network as well. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.